Welcome to Chicago West Sunday Sermons, where we encourage with the gospel of Jesus Christ, equip within Christ-centered community, and engage with good works. This week, we will hear a sermon from Pastor John Kelly. Amen. We feel a copy of God's word. Meet, with, meet me in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, I'm eager to share God's word with you today in a word of encouragement. And um, we're going through the book of Mark verse by verse, and we're looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? A lot of people know what it means to go to church, but they don't know what it means to follow Jesus. And the topic we'll look at today is so vital. I want to talk to you about a topic that has been a thorn in your flesh your whole life. And how do I know? Everybody deals with this topic. It's hindered your ability to walk in God's calling. It's hindered your ability to use your spiritual gifts. It's impacted your friendships. It uh, stains your decision-making, and it will keep you from all that God has for you if you don't get victory over it and walk in it as God would have you. What is that category? Your insecurity. Being insecure will keep you from everything that God has for you. And if you sit here proud like lying insecure, everybody struggles with it because it's a byproduct of the fall. <laughs> it's the reason why Adam and Eve hid when sin came because they lost their security. Now, I want to make sure we're on the same page and we're not using the same definition that the world uses because you hear the word insecurity and a lot of things come up that you feel insecure about with yourself. How many decisions have you made this week, this month that came from insecurity? <laughs> How many decisions have you not made that was based on your insecurities? Now, to make sure we're on the same page, here's a general definition that uh, the world uses, a basic definition for insecurity. You can look it up on Google, look at most definitions um, in books. It'll be something like this, to lack confidence, assurance, and security in oneself. So when someone in the world, if you talk to your boss, if you talk to your neighbor and they say, um, uh, you're insecure, I'm insecure, this is normally what they're thinking. I, there's a lack of confidence somewhere, a lack of assurance, or a lack of security in oneself. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to add on something on that. Here's what I'm adding on to it. Here's how I'm defining it. To lack confidence, assurance, and security in Christ. Let me say that again. When I'm talking about insecurity, it means that you lack confidence, you lack assurance, you lack security in Christ. And what we're talking about being insecure is not the same as the world because when you come to faith in Christ, you get security. You get the rock that you're supposed to build your life upon. The Bible teaches your security is not supposed to be in yourself, but to be in him. And so when you're insecure, you're looking at the wrong object. My prayer is that you would find freedom from that today. And we're going to learn of what it looks like to not uh, be insecure and to be secure in Christ. And we're going to see this modeled by Jesus himself. We're going to learn how secure Jesus is by watching him get rejected by the people most closest to him. You know, rejection will expose your insecurities. It's the reason why you don't share your faith that much. The fear of rejection. You're so, if you knew that every person you talked to would run to Jesus, you'd be yapping away. But you don't share your faith because you feel very insecure in yourself. You shouldn't feel insecure in Christ. The title of this morning's message 
is how to overcome my insecurity. I'm praying that the Spirit will do a work because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You will operate in your flesh. You will operate in your own strength. And you won't walk in all that God has for you if you sit in insecurity. And some of you know what I'm talking about right now. So let's just bow our heads. Let's pray. And let's seek the Lord to do what only he could do. God, we thank you for today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we give you glory. Happy Father's Day to you. We're thankful that we get the privilege to be called your children. God, one of the stains of the fall is that we lost the security that we had before sin entered this world. But glory to God, um, the goal of the cross is not just to save us from sin, but to make us secure in Christ. And so would you help us to truly be liberated from our flesh? Because who the Son has set free is free indeed. I don't want this to be another sermon, something we just clap and feel good about and go home. God, there's, there's some women sitting here, some men sitting here that you have things for them, and the thing that's getting in the way is the insecurities. It's hindered them for years. It's hindering them right now. There's people that won't even step out on faith for the things that you've called them to. And so, Lord, it is virtually impossible to follow you and to be your disciple and to live radically for you as you would call us to and to be consumed with insecurities. May your spirit open our eyes, convict us, encourage us, and may we leave here walking in freedom and not the same. May our house be built upon Christ and not sand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're in Mark chapter 6. I'm reading from the ESV translation. And um, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. And there's a couple things I just want to, before we even get there, I just want to give a context, a background. Um, Jesus is now going back to his hometown. And maybe you live in a different part of the country. Maybe you uh, live somewhere, but that wasn't where you grew up. And imagine you're going back and you're talking to people that you've known your whole life. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth was located in Galilee. And just to give you a context of Jesus' neighborhood during his time, in first century, around Jesus' time, Nazareth was between 200 and 400 people. So if you're like, man, I grew up in a small town, Jesus is like, I did too. I'm amazed by when you read the scriptures how much Jesus can relate. And you're like, wow, you too? You? I didn't realize that. So I want you to think about this. The town he grew up in, the village was about 200 to 400 people. Um, they weren't this luxurious town like the rest of the towns that the Romans were a part of. Um, in Jesus' day, they had no bathhouses, no paved streets, no palaces. It was a small, humble town made up of all Jews. So just think about this. If you grew up in an environment where there's only two to 400 people there, everybody know everybody. That's, it's, it's about 200 people in this room right now or more. This is Jesus' town. He spent his whole life with these people. And so we're going to learn now as Jesus enters his hometown how to overcome our insecurity. And here's the first thing we learn by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's vital. Jot that down by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, And he went away from there after doing the miraculous healings of the woman who had 
the sickness and the young, bringing the young girl back to life. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where does this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Not Judas Iscariot, just so y'all know. And are not his sisters here with us? How many of you knew that Jesus had sisters? And they took offense at him. Now, let me just pack, unpack this real quick. It says here, beginning um, in verse Two, he's teaching in the synagogue. You know, Jesus always goes into the synagogues, and he's teaching. And it says, many heard him and were astonished. Astonished. The word astonished there, the Greek word there means stunned. They're absolutely stunned. The people were shocked at who Jesus was professing to be and the teaching and the works that he was performing. Now, think about this. They knew him most of his life. So he pops back up, he's healing, he's doing miracles, and all of a sudden they're like, man, I don't know this man. Now there's a couple things as we look on Father's Day. I want to point out something here in verse 3. It says, is this not the carpenter? Now the Greek word there for carpenter, it has a broad range. It also could mean stonemason. So some people think Jesus uh, was a stonemason, but bottom line, it was construction. He did some form of building and construction. Now, in first century uh, Jerusalem and Israel, um, the men, whatever you did, you learned that trade from your father. So if you were a fisherman, it meant your dad was a fisherman. If you did carpentry, it meant your father did carpentry. Unless you wanted to go uh, to the synagogue and study and go to seminary and something like that. And so that means Jesus learned this from his stepfather, Joseph. Shout out to all the stepdads, amen? amen? And so he learned this from his stepfather. Two, you may not realize this, but they actually insult his mother. Verse three, it says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? And in Jesus' day, it's traditionally, it's customary that whenever you reference the man, you say the son of and you say the father. So when you read through the Old Testament, you'll read, and so-and-so was the son of, and it's always a male person, and so-and-so was the son of, it's another male person. The fact that they said Mary shows that they have no respect for her, and that's probably because since Jesus grew up in that village and that town, they knew the story about how she got pregnant. It's insulting. We may not see that, but it is. Thirdly, it's a, it's a strong likelihood that Joseph is most, uh, mainly dead by now. He's probably dead by now. Joseph basically disappears. The last time you hear of him is when Jesus was 12 and they lost him and he stayed back at the temple. When Jesus takes his, getting ready to take his last breath on the cross, he says to John, take care of my mom. You don't say that unless the husband's not present. So somewhere between Jesus being 12 and, and his last breath, his stepfather dies. Mary is a widow and a single mom trying to raise a bunch of kids. I say that to say it's okay to grieve the loss of your father or your stepfather if he's not here. And I wonder if when that happened, if Jesus 
said, man, I wish the power would have came a little bit sooner. He raised other people from the dead, but not Joseph. So I just want to give you a context for this. So he's back in his hometown. They've known him since he was a little kid. His dad, his stepfather's not around. They basically insult his mother, and they're questioning him directly. Look at verse 2 and 3. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? I know this dude. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James? Are not his sisters here with us? And notice what the conclusion is. They took offense. How do you respond when people question your abilities? All it takes for you to do is lead something at your job, get up and teach a class and someone to critique it afterwards, to question it, and you just, you're deflated. All it takes is for someone to question your ability and you're deflated. Question your integrity, you're deflated. How do you respond when people question your value or share their doubts about you? Often we get insecure or we get defensive. Is that how you respond? This is how they, they are, they're, they're, they're totally offended. Look at verse 3. It said, and they took offense at him. Some of your translations say, and they were deeply offended by him. Their thought process is, who does this guy think he is? Now think about this. Jesus grew up going to that synagogue. Now you're going to come back and teach me all of a sudden? They know him because they've been teaching him since he was a child. He's worked in that village. How many tables did he make for people? How many orders did he take? How many houses did he help build? You ain't talking about people that don't know this, man. How many conversations have people had with him? And they have now a who does he think he is telling me what to do mentality. Maybe they're jealous. Don't know. Maybe they're proud and arrogant. We don't know. Here's a thought. Jot this down. Oftentimes, our insecurities will show itself when people question our worth our abilities, or express doubts in us, about us. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, your insecurities will show itself when people question your worth, your ability, or express doubts about you. Now, notice here, though, Jesus doesn't fall victim to insecurity. And there's a reason why, because he's full of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus got baptized and he began his ministry and it said that the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove and now he's empowered and then his first miracle was to turn water into wine. Before then, he wasn't doing any miracles. So to be fair, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He was perfect because he's God, but the Spirit hadn't come yet and he wasn't doing miracles. So for them, Jesus was a good dude. Never sent, never did nothing wrong, never yelled back or talked back to his parents. Whatever it meant to be perfect, that's what he was. But he wasn't healing, folks. This is why everybody's surprised. Like, this is different. Notice here that they're saying, when they ask him, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? Remember, the scripture says that prophesied about Jesus when the spirit comes and the spirit of wisdom will be upon him. How are such mighty works done by his hand? The Spirit is upon him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. Remember he says? 
to set the captives free, to preach the good news to the poor. And so Jesus had authority, he had power, he has wisdom, and he's performing mighty deeds because the Holy Spirit is upon him. Let this testify to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus is not the same person as before. He is now empowered by the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you are walking in him, people shouldn't be able to recognize the old you. I know Jesus that was perfect and a good dude, but I don't know this spirit-filled, spirit-empowered person. This is different. He never used to talk like this in Nazareth. He wasn't healing folks. I know him. He didn't go to seminary and all that stuff. So where did this come from? The power of the Holy Spirit. The world teaches you that you have to be secure in yourself. The problem with this thinking is that it makes us, it causes us to make ourselves the foundation of our security, our worth, and our confidence. And the scripture tells you never to do that. The scripture actually teaches us to place our security and our confidence in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life was never meant for you to live in your own strength. That's why you're so tired. The Christian life is fighting second by second by second, moment by moment to submit to the Spirit. I don't got that level of peace. I don't got that level of patience. I don't have that level of wisdom. He does. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Seek not to quench the Spirit. The Christian life is Christ in you, the hope of glory, living through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. Of course you're exhausted. And so here we find that Jesus is full of the Spirit, and yet often we, face our, we place our security in ourselves and make that the foundation. And it's like, nope. Remember when Moses got called by God? He said, I want you to go back and I want you to say this. What's the first thing Moses said? What he can't do. Insecurity came forward. And God was like, I know. Who made the mouth? <laughs> yeah, if I gave you a speech and you're supposed to go do it in your own strength, your own power, well, then of course, Moses, you should be insecure. But if I am with you, then it don't matter. I'm the one that's empowering you. I'm the one that made your mouth. I'm the one that gives you eyes to see and gives you strength to get there. Fast forward, when Moses finally gets there and he's in the wilderness with the people, remember what his prayer request now becomes? Lord, if your presence don't go with us, don't send us anywhere. He finally learned it. The secret sauce is not me and my name being Moses and my background. And yeah, I used to grow up in Egypt and I also grew up as a Jew. And, and so I got this great way of being able to connect with everybody. No, that's not your resume. What makes you strong is God's presence with you. That's what Moses said. Lord, if your presence don't go with us, don't send us up from here. I can't lead in my own strength. Satan wants you to find your security and achievements and status, and many of you are chasing it. And you build your life on it, and you build your life on sand rather than the rock. That is Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. it's nothing wrong with feeling good about your degree. Kudos to you that you're at the top of the chain at your job now. But those things, they can change. God doesn't want you putting your confidence and your security in anything that can change. Yes, you exercise and you lost 30 pounds or 40 pounds or 20 pounds, but guess what? You get a bad report tomorrow from the doctor and your security is gone. 
I don't care how you look in the, in the mirror because you don't put your security in your weight, whether you gain more, you lose more, how you dress, how much money you make, you put your security in Christ. And the power to do anything flows from the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3, 3 says this, For we are the circumcision who worship by what? The Spirit of God. And we glory in who? In Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. If you terrified to speak in front of somebody for Jesus, it's because your confidence is in the flesh. You're thinking about your abilities. God doesn't take people who have the best abilities. He takes people who are empty of themselves and full of him. And then he flows through them. That's why Jesus said, man, don't even worry. The Father will tell you what to say in that very hour. As long as you abide, as long as you abide and you stay connected to the vine, he'll flow through you. But don't start feeling yourself because you know some scripture now. And because you're accurate. Yeah, you're accurate, but you're not humble. You're arrogant. You think you know everything. And what you'll find is you can speak truth, but if you don't have the heart and humility of Christ, you'll still end up in the same way because you're preaching from the flesh. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you to think that this is just a one and done thing. Man, God's healed me of my insecurity, so I'm good now. I left this service. I feel good. I, I know what to focus on. No. Your insecurities will show their head again once you stop walking in the Spirit. You have to submit moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. Don't get confidence in yourself. Don't get cocky. Start feeling yourself because you had a great week. God will allow you to fall real quick. Fathers, we cannot parent in our own strength. And I know as men, it's easy to feel insecure. You question your capability. You look at your flesh. I want to encourage you this morning to look at Christ. Lord, I can't, but you can. I need you to parent this home through me. I need you to parent these kids. Lord, I, 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 I've been in some mess and some sin. My home is so divided. I got a son that live here, a daughter that live here. I'm not cool with this, uh, this, this daughter's mom. And man, everything's going on. God, how do I work through all the mess? I need your spirit to be humble, to be godly, because I don't always know the right thing to say to these kids. How to overcome my insecurity. I overcome my insecurity by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own strength. Second, I overcome my insecurity by walking in God's acceptance of me. Look in verse 4. So clearly they reject him. Where does this dude come from? And it said they took offense. Verse 4. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Jesus just got rejected by the people that he spent most of his life with. Let that sit. When Jesus starts his earthly ministry, he's 30. He's been here for at least 15 plus years. 15 plus years hanging out. I'm not talking about just coming to church on Sunday, but living on the same street, in the same village. Like, I know your mom, your mom, your mom, your dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, we went to funerals together. We buried families together. We've wept together. We've grieved together. And he comes to his hometown. You would think they would be happy. Yeah, he came from there. That's one of us. We rooting for you. Man, you better get out of here. Who do you think he is? 
Jesus gets rejected by the people that he spent most of his life with. Let me just say to you, most often the hardest place to serve the Lord is amongst your closest friends who don't know the Lord. Some of the hardest places to serve the Lord is amongst your closest relatives that don't know the Lord. Or people and friends from your past that don't know the Lord. Because they're cool with who you were, but they don't want the Spirit empowered you. The Spirit filled you. And not only that, your weaknesses are seen more clearly and their words cut you more deeply. That's why you could talk all you want here, but when you go home, they're like, yeah, yeah, you can talk all that stuff on Sunday. I know him, though. I know him through the week. <laughs> I see him in his flesh. That's why I don't go to that church stuff y'all be talking about, because I wish he was during the week how he is on Sunday with y'all. And that's hard. You can't, you can't kind of bamboozle your dad into, into the kingdom or your uncle or whatever, because they've known you since you was a kid. They know the real you. It's the reason why, have you noticed that you interact with um, my kids differently than your kids or your grandkids? You notice how the, the, the people, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, you talk them in a way that you would never talk to people in here? Your, your mom, your dad have seen sides of you that nobody in here will see? Because they know you so well who you truly are. That's who comes out. So I try to tell people as they get ready to get married, I'm like, hey, you know you need to be the real you while you're dating. Because <laughs> that's who you, hey, you need to find out who she really is, bro, because that's who you're going to be with for the rest of your life. Everybody can look cute and talk nice and go to Bible study when y'all dating. But you marrying a person that, that she's gonna, she ain't going to have makeup on every day and he's not going to be chiseled all the time. You don't even know if you like to do laundry or not. <laughs> not only are we tend to be more vulnerable in our true selves around people who know us that well, but this is why the deeper the relationships, the wounds hurt harder. Give you an example. If, I said, if Ben and Judah was here, my kids were here, and they're, they're arguing, and one of them says, man, you're such an idiot. You're stupid. That would hurt. If I said, you're such an idiot, you're stupid, that's crushing. There's some people who can say something to you, and it's like one ear and not the other. It might hurt, but there's some people, they say something to you, and it stings. That's why I'm challenging you as brothers to steward what's been entrusted to us as spiritual fathers. Because you don't realize how your joke could land a little differently during the men's breakfast with somebody because they view you as a spiritual father and you didn't think that way. You didn't realize that something you said to that sister could wound her because you, didn't, you don't have that, that, that security and confidence in Christ to think that your words have value. We should be slow to speak and quick to listen. So when Jesus gets rejected here, it stings a little bit because he's talking to men and women that he's known since he was a kid. I always went by her house to get those, uh, that peach cobbler she made. We used to hang out by there after the Sabbath. We used to go over the next day on Monday. We go, you know, we go over there. She always made great peach cobbler, man. She was like a mom to me. I really thought when I came back home, she would give me a word of affirmation. She rejected me. You know, when my stepfather, Joseph, died, 
Man, that home over there, they took me in like a family. He became like a father to me, Mr. Peter down the street. The last person I thought would reject me was Mr. Peter. I thought he would at least give me a shout out just off the strength of my father. You see how wounds hurt? Jesus is cut deeply by people that he spent his whole life with, and yet he's not responding in insecurity. I want to give you a couple signs if you're just sitting here. You're like, man, what are some common signs that you might be walking in insecurity? Here's the first one. You have a constant need for affirmation. Constant need for affirmation. Now, I'm not talking about, I know you're like, well, man, that's my love language. You know what I'm saying? The five love languages. I'm not talking about the primary way that you like to receive love. I'm talking about the primary way you feel worth. Two different things. I'm not talking about how you like to, the way that you like to receive love, someone communicate. Some people, they like gifts and actions. Like, I'm a words of affirmation person. My wife, that's, she has something else. I'm not talking about how you receive love. I'm talking about how you receive worth. And some of you, you don't realize your constant need for affirmation is because there's a void in you. You're insecure. The love of Christ has not gripped you to the point where you say, man, my thirst is quenched. I am satisfied. Like Jesus said to the woman at the well, man, I ain't thirsty no more. Rivers of living waters. How many of you are running about all day long chasing affirmation? And when you don't get it, you shut down. Two, the fear of man. Common sign that you're insecure. Well, what is this person going to think? What is this person going to think? What is this person going to think? Well, if you think that all the time, you ain't going to share the gospel with nobody. I was with a group of pastors this past week, and we were talking about the pains of leadership, but also leading in this country when things are so divided. And one of my friends said, you know, John, you can't lead people that you're afraid of. I was like, okay, we could drop the mic and go home. (laughs) It's so true. You can't lead effectively as God would have you people that you're afraid of. Because no matter what, even though you have the title of leader, they're driving the car. (laughs) You do whatever they say. You cater towards them. Common signs of insecurity, constant need for affirmation, the fear of man, three, indecisiveness and second-guessing. Can't make a decision. Every five seconds, well, 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 I don't know. what you, I don't know. Should we go left? Should we go right? Should we go left? Now, I get that there's times you're like, I don't care. You know, when me and Danielle sit down, Danielle knows that if we're sitting down somewhere and it's time to eat and John says he doesn't care, that means he doesn't care. Don't ask him again. But if I really want something, I'm going to say, yeah, I want, I want this. I want this on it. I want, you know, like I'll be right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who intimidate you and you second-guess every decision you make. Because you're scared to fail. You're scared of what people are going to think or say if you get it wrong. They run you. They rule you. You're always second-guessing yourself. Four, passivity is humility. People do this all the time. Oh, you can go first. No, let that person, no, let them. You always let everybody go, and, and everybody thinks it's humility, but you're passive because you're afraid to lead. And so what we think is actually so humble, you're actually very passive because you're very insecure. So you're like, no, you go ahead first. No, you can get up front. You, you could, and God is trying to put you in places, and everybody's like, man, that person's so humble. No, you are insecure. I have to pray, God, is this being humble or am I being insecure? You have to ask that question. Fifth, can't receive or give feedback. 
someone says something to you in the most gentle way, hey, you know, love you. Hey, remember, da, 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 I say something to you, just a little slight correction, and you're deflated for the whole week. Or when it's time to lovingly go to a brother or sister and in love just point out something and love them through it, you don't have the courage to say anything. You call it being non-confrontational. These all could be common signs of insecurity. Now, let me ask you this. How can you follow Jesus as a disciple when you have a constant need for affirmation, you have the fear of man, you are constantly indecisive and second-guessing, you're passive, and you can't receive or give feedback? You can't follow him. Here's a thought for you. Until God's acceptance of you matters more than other people's acceptance of you, you will always walk in insecurity. Let me say that again. Until God's acceptance of you matters more than what I think or anybody else in this room thinks, you will always walk in insecurity. You give people too much power over your life. They have rejected Jesus. This version of Jesus is not accepted here. Yet God the Father has accepted Jesus, and that's all that matters. How do we know? Let's go back to two points. Remember Matthew chapter 3, and we looked at it in Mark when Jesus was baptized? In verse, uh, verse 17, it says this in Matthew three seventeen, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm what? Well, please. I don't care what you think. I know what he thinks. Later on, as Jesus is doing his ministry, he takes his uh, three men up on the mountain with him, and he transfigures, and he changes into this bright light. And Matthew 17, 5 says, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I know how the Father feels about me because I abide and talk to him all day long. And if how I operated had to be determined by the people that I've come to save, then I would have no hope, but I know who the Father is. Yeah. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is that enough for you? Like, seriously, if everybody on the planet rejected you, you got to get to that place in your walk with Christ. Because guess what? God will put you in environments where that's the case. He'll put you at that job, that street, that community where everyone there hates Jesus. And you either going to stand for him or sit quiet. You either going to stand up or sit down. And we stand up. Is that enough for you? That when the Father looks at you, he's pleased because of the blood of Christ. That nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Again, until God's acceptance of you matters more than other people's acceptance of you, you will always walk in insecurity. If God is not your foundation, you will be insecure. He's the only security we have. Period. That's given to us. Proverbs 9.10 says this. It's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. That's where we start, the fear of the Lord. Do you fear God more than everybody? Go through our scripture. Look at godly women, godly men. The distinguishing mark was that they, they feared the Lord. That's why Daniel wouldn't eat the king's food, because I fear the Lord. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong what, y'all? confidence. If your confidence is in yourself, you're arrogant. 
We don't put our confidence in ourselves. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Joshua 1, 9, let's remember what the Lord said to him. Have I not commanded you? to worry about what they're saying. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, Joshua. If you're looking at your army, and you're looking at all your chariots, and you listen to the people who are cowering in fear, and you put your courage and your strength in that, you will not be able to take the promised land that I have for you. But if you remember that I am the Lord and that I am with you and you meditate on my word day and night and you don't turn to the right or the left, I got you. Because the battle's not yours anyway, it's mine. You just received the blessing of it. And so Jesus is assured of the Father's love and listen to this, and the Father's calling on his life. Verse 4, it said, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Let me just pause here. This is the first time that the word prophet is used in this gospel so far to describe Jesus, and the first time it's used is by Jesus, describing himself. When you don't know what God's called you to do, you won't feel secure in whatever you do. Jesus is secure not just in who his father is, but he's secure in his calling. That's why he doesn't have to worry about what nobody else says because I know who my father is and I know why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing. So no matter what you say, again, until God's acceptance of you matters more than other people's acceptance of you, you will always walk in insecurity. Do, that's why when you talk, we pray, and we, some people come up to me, I always say to them, you need to be where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do. That's where the blessing, the protection, everything is. Well, don't look at what this person's doing or that person's doing. Do you know what God's will is for you right now? And if you say no, then that's the biggest priority because it means you're out of alignment. And you could do a hundred things good, but that might not be his will. There's a million things Jesus could do right now. He could leave and say, you know what, I'm a, instead of going to Israel, let's start with the gospel in Rome. It's going to get there anyway. That's not where he's supposed to be. He knows why he was born, and he knows why he's going to die. Everybody else doesn't know, and they're even the disciples try to prevent it. No, no, we would never know. You can't do that. I know why I'm here. Until God's acceptance of you matters more than other people's acceptance of you, you will always walk in insecurity. How to overcome my insecurity? I overcome my insecurity by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own strength, and by walking in God's acceptance of me. Lastly, by walking in God's will for my life. Look at verse 5. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. It says here, he could do no mighty work there, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus doesn't allow their insecurities and doubts to cause him to question his calling. Amen. That's a word for somebody. <laughs> Jesus doesn't allow their doubts and their insecurities to cause him to question his calling. And we do that all the time. Somebody says one thing, and then you're like, man, am I really called to this? Satan knows that. He's like, yeah, let's get her to question her calling. Be careful of allowing other people to project their insecurities on you, their fears on you, their concerns on you, their lack of faith 
on you. Their lack of knowing God. Man, she don't know God as a provider. She's always questioning him. Why are you asking her about wisdom on if she should take that job or not? She displays no faith there. That's not the person you should be asking right now to pray for you about that. And be careful of who you get advice from. Y'all get advice from some people who don't pray, ain't filled with the Spirit, and just because they can quote Scripture, that don't mean Satan can quote Scripture too. Left and right, up and down, back and forth. When I go to somebody, I want to make sure that he or she is filled with the Spirit. They pray, and they know God. Because here's the thing. I need to make sure that when I come to you for advice, the Spirit of the living God is speaking to me through you. I'm not, I don't need the wisdom of man. That ain't going to help me. So I need to know that you abide, and when I ask you to pray, I know you pray, and I know you cling to Jesus. You ain't perfect, but I know the Spirit's going to come out of her mouth. The Spirit's going to come out of his mouth. Jesus is like, I'm not questioning my calling because you insecure. And it says here, he marveled at their unbelief, verse 6, not his. Jesus is insecure. They are. And the reason that he is not insecure, again, is because he knows the Father's will for his life. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Everybody in this room should be able to say that with a straight face and a heart full of worship. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. I don't care where you work, what street you live on, what ethnicity or background you're from, what Bible college you went to, whatever. It's your, it's your heart posture is my food, what, what sustains me and fills me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And if you like, well, I don't know the exact work that he has for me, then start there. God, you've placed me in this city of Chicago. What's the work that I'm supposed to do here? Don't let Satan blind me and think it's just about a job. That's like, that's how low you go? Like a job in retirement? And then you're going to die and leave it all behind? And then Christ is going to come and burn this thing down? Like I know it's, it looks cute on the gram and on Facebook and all them pictures and TikTok, but we got to have something that's eternal. John 5.30, Jesus says, I can do nothing, listen, nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Why? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I didn't go back to Nazareth to look cool and get everybody to pat me on the back. I went back to Nazareth because it's my father's will that everybody should hear the gospel, and I should start with my closest friends and family first, even if they reject me. And so Jesus knows exactly what the Father's will for him. So look what he does in verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. Jesus is so secure in God's will for his life that he's willing to leave. <laughs> he just leaves and goes to other villages. Okay. Listen, when you know, jot this down, when you know what God's calling is and his will is for your life, you will know what to say no to and when to move on. Let me say it again. When you know what God's calling and will is for your life, you will know what to say no to and when to move on. Some of y'all can't say no. You're afraid to move on. You've been sitting in places you should have been bounced by now. You know one of the first things God said while the world was still perfect was no. Adam and Eve, can I eat from that tree? No. <laughs> and we didn't listen. It's okay to say no. You can't, you can't dictate your life based on if someone else doesn't like what you just said. 
You have to learn to say no and be okay with it. Jesus was walking in all that the Father had for him. I'm not going to sit here now and be insecure because I went back to my hometown and some of the men and women that raised me uh, rejected me and people that I grew up with playing basketball with in high school and playing soccer and football with, they all rejected me and was questioning me. I'm supposed to sit here now and soak and, and shame and, feel, and beat myself up and question my calling? Nah. All right. A prophet is not welcomed in his own hometown. I got other villages to go to. Night cometh when no man can work. I got to be about my father's business. Let me ask you right now, in all honesty, I know it's 1130, but I, I feel it from the Spirit. Are you walking in all that God has for you right now? I'm talking about you. Are you walking in all that God has for you right now? And why have you allowed other people to have such power and control over your life? It's time to move on, beloved. Let me say that for somebody. It's time to move on. It's time to go ahead and go back to school and get that degree for the glory of God. You done raised your kids. I know you're 65. You raised your kids. You raised your grandkids like they was your kids. When are you going to finally step into what God has for you? It's time to start doing things for the Lord. Time to finally go on that mission strip to start that business for the, or that not-for-profit for the glory of God. To step out on faith or to transition from some friendships that you know are toxic and are not helpful for your walk with Christ. Guess what? I know you're going through a painful divorce, but life ain't over. I know that you've had that. Look, I know we've had to bury some people we love. All right? I know we've had to, we've had to have some hard days and shed some tears. All right? It's not easy burying loved ones, but we can't live the rest of our life stuck in the grief of cement. God got so much for us to do, and so I want to appeal to you to walk in God's will for your life and say with integrity, I got to walk in all that God has for me. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be insecure. I'm not going to let you dictate anything. I'm going to sit on the promises of God, and my heart is to be able to look God in the eyes and say, Lord, I can say with integrity, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I don't do what I want to do. And for some of you, that cuts deep because you've been walking in your own flesh for a long time. But it makes sense why nothing works. How to overcome my insecurity? By walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, by walking in God's acceptance of me, and by walking in God's will for my life. Let's pray right now as our worship team comes back up. Lord, you told us not to build our house upon the sand but upon the rock. And we want to repent. And anybody listening now, join in. Talk to him. Don't just listen to me. You could pray as well. Lord, we confess that there's areas of our lives where we are not sitting on the sure foundation of Christ. And God, even right now, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate all the minds listening? Help people to look at different areas. Maybe it's, maybe it's their gifting. Maybe it's um, their experience. Maybe it's their look. Maybe it's their plans. Whatever it could be. Anywhere where there's a sign of insecurity, it's clear that the rock is not the foundation. I pray right now for a fresh alignment. A fresh restoration. A fresh connection with the Spirit of God. Help us. Help us not to live this out in our own flesh. It was not designed that way. So I pray that every woman, every man, listening to the sound of my voice, would leave here today secure in Christ. Knowing that there's nothing we could do to ever receive or gain your love anymore and know that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. The only thing we need to do is fight second by second to abide and to not quench the Spirit. 
May your word go forth and do what you desire it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Chicago West Sunday Service. Join us next week.